Welcome to the Zenfuls Podcast. It's Jeremiah here. I'm sitting down with someone who's been here one, two, three times now. This will, uh, this will be the third time. So it's I'm sitting down with Keith Newman, and we're just going to kind of just talk about life and a lot of different things. Uh, he's been reading a lot of books. He's also been learning a lot lately. And I, I recently picked up a book by Robert Greene called Mastery. And uh, yeah, we're just going to talk about like self-identity, um, some of the stuff we're learning, and uh, yeah, just talk about stuff. So Keith recently picked up, picked up this book called The 5 a.m. Club by Robin Sharma. And why don't we just start with that? He wakes up at 5 a.m., guys. It's crazy. 5 a.m. <laughs> I'm still working on it. It's tough, you know, but uh, one thing, you know, that's a reoccurring theme in a lot of what, what Robin speaks about in a lot of his content uh, is how a lot of the masters, you know, the virtuosos, the, the great the great people who made impacts in this world, the movers and shakers, they, they all really woke up early, mm-hmm. specifically 5 a.m. Um, that's really the hour of mastery. You know, it allows people to, to wake up and to get a head start, you know, on, on crafting themselves, you know, building a better body, building a better mind, getting a better soul set. And um, yeah, it's something that I've really, really wanted to apply in my life for a while now. Um, so, like, what have, what have you noticed waking up at 5 a.m.? Because I wake up at, let's say, 7.45-ish, 8. Like, I'm not really an early morning guy, but I like the mornings when I'm not working. But when I am working, I don't really like the mornings. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so, like, what have you noticed waking up that early? Well, one thing is, if, if when you wake up at 5, you don't, like, you don't really worry about things like work because you have enough time you don't have to wake up and be in a rush like mm-hmm. that's how I lived my based my whole life you know going through school you wake up you know shower eat food mm-hmm. you know do all the things you do quickly and then get out the door whereas when you know when you wake up at five you have a lot of time to to do some a ton of different things meditation you know self-reflection you know could be going for a jog which is something he really recommends it's kind of a 20-20-20 formula that he does from the hour, you know, five to six. Um, we'll talk about that in a bit, but it's it's like you allow yourself to to to, to realize the potential of the day, right? You, everything like you you've done your learning. Like one of the, one of the twenty one part of the twenty formula twenty 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 formula is is like reading and like self mastery. So spending mm-hmm. some time on working on yourself and self development, and um, you know. One thing I've noticed is the energy, right? Like based on, what's the word for it? The sodium like body clock, basically, which is like your natural, your body's natural timer, right? Mm-hmm. Humans, um, based on this model, are, are meant to wake up at 4 a.m. actually. Oh, yeah. So, you know, and, and the thing is, is, you know, people say that eight hours is what you need, but. Yeah, I, I kind of think everyone's different, right? Because I know some people who they sleep like, for me, I probably need like eight or nine hours, right? But some people, they sleep like six hours or like, I know yeah. just people who like don't really sleep that much and they can, they're fine. But I think it just depends. Like people are so unique, I think, that True. it's more about what works for you. True, but I think right? you can find generalities and commonalities. Um, one thing that, that he brought up in, in some of his his research in, into the field is that when, when you're in a routine, you know, and you're, and you're working hard, 
you're fulfilled, you're, you're expending your mental energy, but you're also fit. You know, he, he has a, a model where you actually work out twice a day. So you do jog aerobics in the morning and you do a second one workout halfway through the day. Um, he's an elite performance coach. Obviously not everyone can, is able to do this, but this is for maximum mental acuity. Um, so when you're, you know, when you're expending all your energy and you're eating the best foods and doing all these different things, found that most people need less sleep right and especially like we're younger so we need more sleep but as we get older you know if we're doing all these things and living as healthy as we can you know the mm -hmm. average adult only really needs about six hours of sleep give or take right obviously like you said some people are different you know if you're trying to be a bodybuilder you might need more whatever the mm -hmm. different circumstances but you know so for me waking up at 5 a.m um, when it's my routine, like when it's actually a habit, because it's, it's decently new for me. I was waking up at five last year. Mm -hmm. I went away from it for a bit because my, my rituals, my habits steered me away from it. Um, you know, different, different obligations, different responsibilities. But since going back to it and what I found before was just mental clarity right away. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I thought, this was a, a limiting belief I had, was that I was always tired in the mornings and that I did my thought, my best thinking at late at night. I would tell people that. I was like, you know, I'm, I have my best ideas when I'm going to sleep, when I'm in bed, I'm sitting there, you know, I have to get out of bed and write them down. That's when I do my best thinking. Mm -hmm. I hate being, you know, I'm always groggy in the morning. But science has told us that, that, that is, it's the other way around. Like we have the most willpower and energy in the morning, right when you wake up. Mm -hmm. But you have to take advantage of it, and you have to actualize it, right? Yeah, and of, of course there's always exceptions to the rules. Like some people are just night owls and they, they get a lot of energy at night. But uh -huh. I think for, for most people, like in the morning, because like, for me, like one thing I noticed is I have a lot of willpower, yeah, like in the mornings, and then as after the workday's done, if I like want to work on like, the blog or something, I just, I don't really have the discipline or anything because I'm kind of tired. Uh, well, right? I mean, there's there's the discipline aspect, but I mean, studies have found that, you, that your willpower is like a muscle, mm -hmm. right? A lot of people, like a lot of the highest achievers and highest performers, they'll say that they try not to make many decisions a day. It's called decision fatigue. Mm -hmm. You know, especially when you're working a job where you're making a lot of decisions throughout the day, you can only put expend so much energy. Right, so a lot of these high, high performers, you know, they can't even tell you simple things because they, they're so narrow-minded in a sense that they, they don't want to expend their energy on things that aren't important. When you're, when you're a Michelangelo and you're painting, you know, mm -hmm. the roof of the Sistine Chapel or, you know, you're, you're a Michael Phelps, you know, trying to, to build your body and your, and your mind to be the greatest swimmer, arguably athlete of all time you know you need such a finite focus you can't be expending your energy on on little things all throughout the day right so it's definitely definitely important to 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 realize that and and i think that going back to something you said some people are just night owls and i i, I kind of beg to differ i think that they've conditioned their body mm -hmm. so that like in the state they're currently in they might be that. That's when they can get the most out of themselves. But if they were to train themselves to be a part of the 5 a.m. club, you know, started maybe possibly eating better, drinking more water, and, and you know, being, you know, physically active, which is super important for your mental chemistry, mm -hmm. um, 
I think they would they would find that they're better thinkers in the mornings, for sure. Yeah, and like, I think at the end of the day, if any like, yeah, like I would say, you probably can get more output in the mornings, right? Just because there's less distractions and you know you haven't got text messages and text messages and you know stuff like that notifications. Um, but I think like at the end of the day, everyone just has their own unique groove. Right, because some people like there are there are some night owls. Uh, maybe they're not as like efficient in the mornings if they were to train themselves that way, but at least like they're still working at night. Yeah, instead true. of like see, so, so I think the worst case scenario is like someone who doesn't do anything, do anything, yeah. right? And it's like, I mean, obviously there there is this you know what yeah. works best for you, um, but because it's, it's like, not just the morning, right? Yeah, like, but it's like diets, right? So with diets, they say. The best type of diet for someone is the diet the that yeah. works for you. The, the one you stick to. Right? Yeah, the one you stick to. Because diets, at the end of the day, they work if you turn them into a lifestyle. If you work with it, if they're hard for you, if they're too difficult for you, then why bother doing it? When I tried keto, it was like I saw a lot of pauses from it, but also it was like it was hard for me to sustain over the like it was hard for me to turn that into a lifestyle. So I I stopped doing it, and I didn't see the results that I wanted to see, but I did see some results doing it. Whether now I'm on this this vertical diet where I eat um, pretty much just like rice, my veggies, my greens, and like just like uh, some lean beef, and I try and eat the same thing over and over again because it's easier for my body to digest. But also it's helping me because it's easy for me to stick to that. It's like I don't have to spend too much money on food. I don't like to prep my food, and it's kind of a system that I found that works for me. Your ritual, your habit. Yeah, it's it's a ritual. It's a habit, and I think. That's what I like about the 5 a.m. club. Like, I think it's good to build those, like, those systems that work for you. Because everyone, realistically, if everyone's different, it's better to have a system than no system. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's better to have, like, that routine going that you can fit into your schedule and get things going than have nothing. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, I'm... Because I think the norm is not having a system. Yeah, that's true. Well, actually, no, I think the norm is definitely having a system. I think we all have rituals, but they're just rituals that we're not consciously aware of that aren't serving us. Mm -hmm. Um, In my opinion, I I mean, yeah, everyone's different per se, but I think that, you know, we're all the same animal. We're all humans, Mm -hmm. right? Like you look at rabbits, they all wake up at the same time, right? And I mean, I think we've just been led astray in our society. Well, I think there's the interesting thing about being human is there's lots of different like ways we can be human. You know, there's some humans that are like never go outside. They're like people who live inside 24/7 like never like But the is lights. that healthy, right? Like is well, that the optimal way of life? Because... But I think it's necessarily not it's probably not that healthy, but they've adapted themselves to the point where like they can do that. You know, there's there's some insane lifestyles, man. There's yeah. people who like work a job where they're like in the sea the whole time, there's people who work jobs in the air the whole time, pilots, there's people who work jobs that are, you know, like in the sewer system, like it's actually crazy, yeah. like there's so many different things totally, totally. we but, can do, <laughs> like but, your well, body adjusts to that, right? It, it adapts, it adapts, we're the most adaptive creatures on the planet, but, but the thing is, is the 5am club isn't about the 95, it's about the world class performers, people who mm-hmm. left their mark on the world. And, you know, Robin Sharma being the lead coach, you know, in my opinion, he's the, his content is the leading edge. Like, everything he says, that's all backed by neuroscience. You know, so here's another question for you, Keith. It, yeah. what, what fascinates you? Because I, I see 
you seem like someone who's like a coach, right? You, you've always had like that coaching spirit. I like teaching. You like teaching. So like what fascinates you about coaching? Mm. I mean, um, it's, it's, I'm not like, I guess there's different angles. I mean, I didn't really always, I mean, I always enjoyed it, but I didn't always consciously attribute it to like myself. Mm-hmm my self-identity, right? Um, it wasn't very long ago, I remember meditating and, and just, you know, it's a type of meditation where I'm not focusing on calming my prefrontal cortex, I'm actually inviting different parts of my brain to contribute, you know, I'm asking my subconscious to to kind of give me what, tell me what it's running in the background, right? Like your subconscious thoughts only make up about five to 10% of of your mind, right? Your subconscious mind is the 90% behind it. So I would do this type of meditation where I'd kind of ask myself questions and I would kind of let my mind wander and it would give me things. And I, to be honest, I don't really remember exactly what I asked, but I remember thinking like, you know, what? What draws you towards what, no, what, what, coaching? What, no, 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 what, what is my purpose? And like, what, what is important to me? And like, what do I want to do? And, and, and it was like, dude, I'm, I've always been a teacher like you've known me since I was like six years old I've always liked to communicate mm-hmm. and teach and you know I think it's it, it helps me you know truly lock in those things you know obviously we all know about the different capacities of you know learning using using your eyesight then also using hand signals writing it down while you're listening all increase it but teaching something after you know it is, is one of the highest you know ways that you can lock in knowledge mm-hmm. So if you can, if you're able to teach it, then you're able to lock it in yourself, right? But I think it's a lot more than that. I think it's you know I've always, you know, my mom was in early childhood education, so she was always teaching, and I was always watching her teach, and I was always intrigued by it. And I just you know I I just have slowly just settled into my role as a as a teacher, and it, it gives me satisfaction. You know I like you know knowing I. I'm, I'm giving, I like being a service, you know, I, I love, you know, working with, with children, you know, teaching younger people. Um, I just, it's just something I've, I've been drawn to naturally. And I mean, just, I, I don't know. It, it just is. Yeah. Well, and I it think it's, it's funny that, cause in the last podcast, me and Lynn were talking about AI, right? And, um, I think that's something that AI can't really replace. It's like, that's such a human element being someone who teaches or like and that's why you're seeing education you know a lot a lot more teachers are out there a lot of people are like sharing their thoughts sharing their ideas it's like they're contributing to the world in their way and it's in different ways in different ways podcasts Mm -hmm. you're being a teacher right now which is amazing incredible yeah but you inspire me and i think that you know (laughs) just you know things like youtubers yeah and people writing books podcasts you know launching courses or you know having meetup groups and you know, there's so many other more ways to express yourself and to, to even teach. Art, artistic, mm-hmm. creative stuff. Like, it's it's weird how we're seeing just an outburst of that now. Mm-hmm. Like, every, everywhere on the internet, we're seeing just an outburst of that everywhere. Mm-hmm. Because right? it's it's natural. It's a natural part. It's natural. I mean, when you think about it, you know, I, I've I've always kind of told people this. This is this. I believe it's a. I'm gonna butcher it. I always do, but. Mm-hmm. Basically, there's a Japanese proverb, and it basically goes like, you know, um, 
the master whose student doesn't surpass him has failed. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, we've gotten to where we are now with, you know, smartphones and computers and the internet and all the crazy technology we have by building technology on top of technology, mm -hmm. learning on top of learning, right? And it's so, just those little lasers. It's just those little layers. You know, it's over top of each other. Yeah, and I mean, they start to compound. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know, like you know, somebody will learn something, and then the student will come, and because they've learned it, they can teach it faster than it took for somebody to to grind it and learn it for the first time, like to discover it, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like we're constantly adding and adding and adding on top of each other, and that's why you know you, your student should always surpass you, right? You teach them everything you know, and then they have more time to to discover and, and, and make more groundbreaking mm -hmm. you know, ideas come forth. So definitely, you know, that, that's really, really cool. Yeah, because, like, I was, I was thinking about this. Like, nowadays we have people like Elon Musk and, you know, these, like, world-class, like, people, you know, Jeff Bezos. But I think we're going to see a lot more of those in the future, mm -hmm. right? Because think about of how connected the world's getting and how much more information people have access to. Like, nowadays, if you're some kid in, like, you know, in like Ethiopia or something or like Iran like you might not be able to go to school the same way as any, everyone else but you can go online right and, and you can really be the you can kind of be like the master of your own fate you can like educate yourself in the ways that you want to be educated mm -hmm. and then you can become like just just uh just become like pretty superior in that field totally. and yeah I think that's what that's why I love the internet so much right and even when I took out of Robert Greene's book Mastery is like that's tapping into your own uniqueness. He, he, talk, he talks about how like every single human being, we have like a different type of DNA. We're like never gonna be the same as anyone else. And if you can tap into your intuition, figure out which, what you're naturally drawn to and like go into it and just like, even if you're not that skilled, you don't show, even if you're not like uh, the, the smartest person or et cetera, you just spend time developing that area and you can become, you know, world-class at that. Totally. Yeah, no, I definitely agree and you know, it's uh, it's crazy, like, just, you know, a few years, like, 50 years ago, you were a product of your upbringing, mm -hmm. and it was really hard to, to break out of those, that self-definition, right? Mm -hmm. um, even, even the Jeff Bezos and the Steve Jobs, like, when they were growing up, it was still defined as that, right? So well, I think as we progress more to the future, it gets easier and easier for people to, you know, become someone like an Elon Musk, and that's why I think we'll see more of people, more people like Elon yeah, Musk in the future. Access. Yeah, because there's more access. Because think about this: back in the day, like let's go into the Renaissance times, right? Like even back then, certain families like couldn't do what other families would do. Like, if you're part of the proletariat or the uh, bourgeoisie, like, the bourgeoisie had access to, like, that, the universities and, like, the higher education and stuff like that. Whether if you were, like, some guy who was just, like, a carpenter, like, you were born into that family and there's, like, different classes of people and then you advance forward, like, based on, like, the race of your skin or, like, who you were, the color of your skin, you couldn't do certain things. And even then, there was yeah. only so far you could really yeah, go. Yeah, even if, like, if you were a woman, you couldn't do, like, certain things that men could do, right? And, like, we've progressed so far as a society that nowadays, there's it's literally limitless. And I think the biggest restriction that we have is it's, it's our mind. 
It's like what it's the barriers that you construct for yourself. And that's why I think nowadays when you look online and stuff like that, you're seeing a lot of like like mental health issues, like well being issues, stuff like that. Because now that all the barriers have been like broken, like it's it almost is like Star Trek. Like when I look at the world now, it's like Star Trek. Like you you could actually do anything if especially if you live in North America. Right? If you live in North America, you have access to anything. But the hard part of it is because it's so open, you have there's so much information out there, you have to be really good at focusing your mind and like channeling it into the paths that you wanna the path that that you wanna go down. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? Yeah, well I mean there's a couple ideas that, that you know that really attribute to to that, you know. Just the, the widespread anxiety amongst young people, you know, there's the disassociation um, to to social groups. Mm-hmm. You know, we get our we're social fix through our phones, through notifications and things like that. So it's a superficial fix and it doesn't actually It doesn't get to the does, root. It doesn't actually solve the the need that people have for for human connection. Um, you know, also going, you know into the, the neurochemistry you you know your your amygdala which is you know the part of your brain which is which triggers fear and anxiety and stuff like that um well obviously your neuro, your prefrontal cortex is anxiety and worry but these things like the the fear part of your brain like it would serve you when we were hunter gatherer mm-hmm. when we would be looking we have a negativity bias um because things that were negative were life-threatening, so we were always on the lookout for them. That's why if you think hard, you don't really remember a lot of the happy times in your life, but you remember the most traumatic parts, because that's your brain. Um, it doesn't ever want to repeat negative things, because so it remembers them mm-hmm. and creates a habit to avoid them, right? That's why it's hard to, it's, it's like, like negative habits, like they're easy to build and stuff like that, but basically those things don't serve us anymore, right? Like we, like, something that scares us or frightens us is not life-threatening. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't have to worry about it at all, but we still get those same fear, life-threatening fear, right? So, so a lot of that holds us back, and I mean, and then, of course, there, there's plenty of things, but... And, and then, then there's the decisions, right? We have so many decisions, like you were saying, like, in a world of choice, we, you know, we only have so much brain power, we have so many choices, mm-hmm. but, I mean, how much is is necessary right yeah and i think that's why it's so important nowadays to uh really really kind of like direct yourself into where you want to go and define yourself define yourself and like i always tell this to like my friends and i live by this too like i'm always like really careful of what i'm watching really careful of like the books i'm reading and because like i know that i even like the people i'm with like i know that i'm not like i'm not that smart in the sense that I can make all my all the decisions by myself. Like I know it's to some level, like based on what I'm reading, who I'm with, like what I'm doing, like I'm influenced by my surroundings. Like I know that. Like I I, I can't actually I can't I can't beat it. Like if I'm if I'm in an env- environment where like it's easy to do something that I don't want to do, but everyone's doing it, like I'm gonna probably do that too, just because of like I'm a social animal, I'm part of that. But that's why I think. I don't know. That's why I think you need to step away sometimes and just build that area of yourself or that ability to just go down, like to really control yourself, to really mm-hmm. think about why you're doing certain things, um, the path that you want to go on, stuff like that. I think it's so important nowadays, especially 
especially because if you don't think about those things, then I don't think your life would turn out too, too well. <laughs> mm. Well, that's the thing, right? Like a lot of us. Because um, years can flash by, man. That's what I've realized, man. Years of your life can flash by like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of us are given our self-identity, right? Like, you know, you imagine you grow up in a conservative home. Mm-hmm. You know, you identify as conservative, but... Or vice versa, liberal. Vice versa. Dude, it could be... It, it, that's just a political ideology. It could be I identify as a loner. Mm-hmm. Or I identify as, you know, somebody who's not athletic. So, you know, there's there's a thing, I forget what it's called, but basically it's like, it's like a, it's an evening out process. So basically imagine they did a study on people who won the lottery. And within, uh, I think it was two years, 90% of people would go back, who, who were in a middle income would go back. They'd mm-hmm. lose all their money. So basically, your self-identity, your brain will always default back it'll default back to what you think you're meant to to have or to be or to whatever it is right mm-hmm. so imagine if, if 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 you're making i believe it's 20 percent less or 20 percent more than you think you're worth you will find a way to go back to where you thought you were meant to be so mm-hmm. imagine and that's literally a success barrier it is a success barrier and like you know for example you win the lottery um you're gonna your your actions are going to 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 be based on your self-identity, right? Mm-hmm. So imagine if if you're trying to do better, imagine if you're like, okay, well, I don't wanna do this anymore, I wanna be better. But deep down, you, you still identify as that. Your actions are always going to to be based on that, ident- that self-identity. Mm-hmm. And right? I, I literally have, like, even with my, um, with my fitness stuff, like I have my, my coach, and he's been helping me this whole time, and he has like these he has, like, this amazing program that I'm doing. He programmed, like, my diet and everything. And then my next goal is still to hit 180. But I've noticed, like, one of the reasons why I haven't hit it yet is because it's it's a success barrier for me. It's a success barrier for me. Like, as soon as I start getting mo- some momentum with it, I just, like, stop working out as hard. I stop going to the gym. I, I, my diet fumbles and everything. It's because internally I haven't, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm just not ready to, like, commit all the way. Mm. Right, and it's weird too because like with him, it seems like it's so easy for him to like put on weight or like cut down and get shredded. It's easy for him to do that because he's done it so many times. He like, it's part of his identity. Mm-hmm. Whether for me, it's like, I'm this person who doesn't really know what to do and I don't really think it's possible for me. So yeah. it's hard for me to do it. Yeah, well, I, I'm just looking back on myself, something similar is, you know, when I first started my first couple of businesses, you know, I was, uh, like, I thought I was doing something wrong. But, you know, looking back, just recently reflecting, I realized that... You were doing a lot. I right. was self-sabotaging. So, <laughs> actually, I was doing everything right, and I was trending upwards. But my self-identity, I didn't view myself as, like, as what I was building myself into. Mm-hmm. So, as much as my mindset was there... You, my my brain, it, because growth is uncomfortable and it's scary, you know, different parts of your brain are firing, telling you, this is scary, this is bad, right? And if you don't, I self-identify with it, you will, you will succumb to those thoughts and those, those feelings, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, I was actually self-sabotaging because I didn't truly believe 
myself as a successful business owner. That's not, that wasn't my self identity at the time. Yeah. And part of it too, is as you, you know, as things start to get going for you, that is actually pretty taxing on your mind. And I was thinking about this, even with my Instagram account, right? Like I know subconsciously that, okay, I want to hit like 10,000 followers, right? I'm at like 500 or I'm at like 400, but I want to hit 10,000 eventually. But I know subconsciously I'm actually not, if it were to happen tomorrow, I wouldn't like, I couldn't sustain it. And I would probably stop posting on Instagram. Yeah, because you don't identify yeah, as... because I don't identify it. It's like, it would be, if that happened to me, I actually, it would, it would seem like a positive thing, but it would actually be a negative thing because it would probably just smash all my dreams in that, in that area. Because for me, I would have to, I enjoy building it slowly so that I can sustain it long term because then my brain doesn't have to shift as much, right? And it's mm-hmm. like, especially with the lottery thing, like if someone gave me a million dollars today, I would probably lose it. Like, no, even though I feel like I could read a lot of these books and like sit down with like financial advisors and all these people, but I would probably figure out a way how to lose it because mm-hmm. I didn't make it myself. Totally. Right? And I think there's so much power and when you walk the journey slowly instead of when you're given the journey mm-hmm. or when you're, when you're given the end goal. Yeah. Because the journey, walking it slowly, builds those like fibers in your mind that lets you, you know, be okay with it. Well, you're building your self-identity. And I mean, I agree with what you're saying, but I also think it can be sped up. Because I mean, if you just change your identity, which obviously can't be done overnight, but if you Mm -hmm. were to speed up that... It's hard to change your identity, though. Of course, of course. But if you were to speed up that process, your actions will always align with your Mm self-identity. Like, if you were, per se, in in a hypothetical situation to, you know, get a job... And you, you know, we're instilled a great confidence and we're taught how to create like an, an awesome self-identity for yourself. And you're sitting there, imagine if it was car sales, just as an example. Mm-hmm. And you walk in there, you've never sold a car in your life, but you know, like your identity is, I am an expert car salesman. Well, dude, you're going you're gonna to be sitting there in your office. Imagine sitting there on your phone and wasting time. Well, guess what? If you truly identify as an expert car salesman, your, your brain will naturally pull you away from that because those actions aren't in alignment with who your consciousness thinks it is. Mm-hmm. So you'll find a way to actually self-actualize into this identity that you create. So, I mean, that's really a key for, for all of us is like, you know, discover who it is that you want to be, what identity you want to be. And it can be as outlandish, like it can be anything. It can be what everyone thinks is impossible. But if you identify as that, eventually, if you truly believe that and you consistently follow up that notion in your brain, your actions will follow and you'll find a way. Mm-hmm. Like for me, you know, I'm telling myself right now, like, dude, I am a thought leader and I create ideas and principles that help millions of people around the world. And, you know, for a long time, like I've always known, I, I, I don't know what that means. Like, I know what it means, but I don't know how that's going to express itself. Like, for a long time, I had my podcasts or different things that I did, public speaking. But I would always try and have this, like, finite path. And I was like, oh, this is the way. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, now I'm like, I don't know what it is. I just know what I want to be. And I'm going to identify myself as that. And then as I build my self-identity, my actions will come. Because that's who I believe I think I am. Mm-hmm. And it will express itself in a way that I can't predict right now yeah and, and yeah i agree man like that's your inner world is so strong like mm-hmm. oh your inner you, world yeah your outer world always reflects the inner world first right? yeah that's so true like and 
Like that's literally it. Like your your inner world shapes your outer world, and it's like even in the gym, it's like what I know is internally, what I what I could be, like my my physical body is gonna catch up to that, mm-hmm. right? And and that's the hard part to condition. It's not your outer world because like externally, you know things would happen. But I mean, you gotta do the work. You gotta do the work, but like internally, if you're not mentally if you don't have that vision, that it's like it's it's then almost your like, yeah. Are, then, your then your actions won't align because won't align, yeah. when you're doing something, when you're in the gym, when you're doing that workout, pushing the bench press, you're like, why am I even doing this? It's like it doesn't match up. You, you don't want to do it, but but if it's your identity, yeah, if it's your identity, it makes perfect sense. Right? Yeah, the interview, in fact, you'll go out of your way to do those actions because mm-hmm. that's who you are. At least that's what your conscious believes that that identity does. Like the actions that that identity takes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's so true, and that's why I I respect like anyone who you know no matter like what's like let's say if someone's like extremely overweight in the gym but they have the courage to be there so what that means is like at some point you know that lady she has like that in she sees herself internally totally different from what what other people see her externally you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so it's like eventually it'll catch up and her inner vision of what she sees for herself will be that external vision and there's like a, a girl at the gym I met and like she's been losing all this weight and it's crazy to see her like progress through this because you know you see someone who's overweight in the gym and you're like you feel you, I don't know it's probably awkward for them and but she's still there working out she's still there working out hardcore and pushing herself all, all the time and then she's making gains man it's crazy mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's why a lot of people when they go to the gym they stay the same mm-hmm. because, because internally they, they don't think it's possible for them no, they, yeah, they don't view themselves as that, right? You know, a lot of people set, like, very basic mundane goals, right? Like, oh, I want to lose this much. You know what I mean? But that doesn't relate to their identity, mm-hmm. right? But if you're, like, you know, I want to go back to, to where I was in high school. You know, I want to identify as an athlete. Mm-hmm. And you believe that. Then your actions are going to back that up. Eventually, you're going to be in the gym because you're an athlete. You know, when you ask somebody, you, you know, a group of people, you ask them, you know, who here works out five days a week? Who considers themselves an athlete? They're all going to be fit. You ask, some, you ask a completely different group of people, hey, who here wants to get fit? Everyone's going to stand up. How many of them are going to be fit? Mm-hmm. Everyone wants it, but they don't identify themselves as fit. And even if they're not fit, if you identify yourself as fit, you're going to take the actions that will that will lead to you being that. Yeah, because it's, it's who you are. It's like it's that time. Who you are. Yeah, it's like this time, um, actually this is a story when me and Keith went down, when, when oh, I can't speak, when me and Keith went down to Las Vegas for Thrive, <laughs> um, there was this guy speaking, PJ Dixon, right? PJ Dixon. Yeah, PJ Dixon, he, um, this guy's incredible. Like he's, he's so incredible. He's in a wheelchair, so he's paralyzed from the waist down, and, he's not even paralyzed. Or he, uh, he has, he, had, he was born with a birth defect where his, his, his limbs didn't develop any muscles. Mm. So he has no muscles in his legs or his arms. Yeah, but he's an, he's an incredible speaker and yeah, he can't even move his arms. Person. And um, at the end of the event, me and, me and Keith talked to him and Keith was saying how, uh, I want to be a speaker and like, I love your speech, I want to be a speaker. And then I, I remember, I'll never forget this actually, at the end of um, talking to him, he told Keith, he's like, dude, you are a speaker. And then literally after that, <laughs> Keith walked up to some other minutes. guy. Yeah, 30 minutes later, Keith walked up to some other guy and he asked him, like, what do you do? And Keith said he's a speaker. 
And then that's how Keith got his first public speaking event. So, yeah, that's actually, like, that's so much. And, and, that's, and that goes back to that self-identity, right? Because, you Yeah, know, that doesn't uh, even seem realistic, but it happened. It is. It and is. It, it was and a little it, tweak. Yeah, and it's like, um, because it's self-proclamation words, right? You're speaking in present tense. Because imagine if you're trying to create a self-identity for yourself. And you say, I will go back to school later. Mm-hmm. Or I'll do that in the future. You know, I'll do it when I have more time. You know what I mean? Or I'll be a public speaker soon. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? What are you telling your subconscious mind? What are you telling your brain, your supercomputer? Because your brain actually can't tell. It doesn't know sarcasm. It doesn't know what tense is. Like future past tense. It just knows what you're saying. It, what you're telling to it, right? Like when I say I am a speaker, it's you're telling your brain that okay, you're a speaker. Mm-hmm. So what actions are you, like, that's your identity now, right? If you say, I am dumb, or I'm stupid, or I can't do this, what are you telling your brain? You're saying, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. So your identity all of a sudden is, I can't do that. Or this is me, and I'm a, th- this person, whoever I am, cannot do these things. Mm-hmm. And it's like that, uh, there was Roman Trumman, he was in a taxi with a gentleman, he was saying how, the guy was saying, oh, you know, I'm, he was in Europe and he's like, you know, I love, I love those guys in Silicon Valley. Like, I want to go, you know, I'll, I'll move there someday, but I just don't think it's possible, you know, it's possible for other people. It's not possible for me. And, you know, this guy being, you know, an elite performance coach, he's like, dude. It's possible. You're, you're literally just telling you're holding you, yourself back. Well, you're literally telling yourself your own truth. If you tell yourself that it's not possible for you, then that is your truth. If you tell yourself it is possible and you can do it, You'll find a way, mm-hmm. and if you can, and if you even tell yourself you'll do it now, you'll find a way, mm-hmm. right? Because if that's your identity, your actions will start lining up, and, and you'll be able to make it happen. That's why if you blow out your timelines, like, hey, I'll go back to school when the kids are, you know, in school. Well, guess what? When they get in school, you'll find something else to say, mm-hmm. you know. But if you say, I am going to go back to school, no matter what. Guess what? You'll you'll find a way. You know, you, you, your your partner might say, "Hey, you know, I I see what you want to do. You know, I'm gonna support you, and you know, maybe help take care of the kids a little bit, or, you know, you know, I might you might get a second job so I can you know pay for daycare, or mm-hmm. like you'll find a way. Like there's a there's there's a there's like a uh, I don't know how to describe it. Imagine a situation where like. Like, there's an identity you have, mm-hmm. right? I pay my bills, and I support my family, right? So imagine this. You have your family, and you support them. Mm-hmm. So that's your self-identity. You're doing what it takes. You always find a way to pay the bills and support your family, mm-hmm. but never more. But then what happens? Somebody in your family gets sick, right? Mm-hmm. And theoretically, there's no more to give. But you find a way. But your self-identity is that you pay the bills and you support your family. You'll find a way to, to, to help that person and, and to get more. Mm-hmm. Right? So the thing is, like, that's interesting because, it, like, theoretically in that situation, what's, what's stopping that, that person from... Yeah, it's, it's a mind. What's stopping that person from not, you know, getting more when... Before. Before they're sick. Because they've just defined themselves as that's what they do. Mm-hmm. 
And so they're not going to get any more or any less because their actions are going to identify with that exact identity that they've created for themselves. And sometimes, like, like it's all given to you. It's all given to you. Like, your self-identity could be given to you at such a young age, and if you don't have enough awareness to reflect on it, you'll never even know truly what your self-identity is. Like, for me, and, uh, something that I had in my identity for a long time was I was a gamer. So I'd always game. Like, even if I had something important to do, mm. you know, my actions would be like, okay, dude, you're going to go game. And you still, you're still, still a gamer. Game. Yeah, still this guy game. was playing World of Warcraft a couple days ago. Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I, I, see, I'm a gamer too, and I, I still get those urges. It's yeah, like, you don't I, play though. I don't see, play. I quit for a long time, but recently. No, but I, I, I get those urges that. to play all the time. Like I'm, I'm always like in the back of my mind. I'm like, should I, should I play a couple, you know, a couple hours a while? Like just, to, but I don't have a computer. The reason why I don't play, like I would still be playing WoW right now, but um, I don't think I can run it on my laptop. Honest, that's the honest truth. Like, you can. I, no, I can't. Not on my laptop, dude. Congrats. No, I, I, I don't think I can run it, man. I, with my old computer, I can run it. No, Not, no, no, because it's, it's. Uh, I'm running the old one, dude. The old well. Yeah. But okay. anyways, we should we should actually talk about actually that that'll be in another that'll podcast. Be another with one. Yeah, we'll get we, here. we're gonna get Bryn here, and we're gonna he's a, he's another third friend that we grew up with, and uh, he gamed wow with us. So. See, for me, like I, I quit I quit all games <coughs> for like a year, and uh, you know, there was benefits, mm -hmm. but I mean you know I, I've been learning a lot about you know the school of stoicism and. But I don't think there's anything wrong with gaming. Well, like, I've in, noticed in stoicism, you know, yeah. your, your pleasure is, is bad. Mm -hmm. The pursuit of pleasure and, you know, what, what pleasure is defined as and, you know. But in, See, in like, my opinion, I'm not rigid. And I think that, you know, there's, there's a space for, for pleasure and enjoyment. But it's like, you know, you just have to weigh it. Like, what is the value, right? Like, what is my time worth? You know, like, if I'm spending, you know, an hour... On, on a game playing League of Legends, you know, what am I sacrificing for that? Yeah. And sometimes it's worth it, you know? Well, like sometimes I, it's not. Yeah, I definitely feel you, but I think that having fun and enjoying yourself, seriously, man, it's so important. Totally. So important because... Totally, because you need a way to express. Yeah, because, like, you, you need a way to deload, right? And you can't always be grinding or, like, hustling or, you know, just going hard. Like, some people actually, like Gary Vee, for example, like, maybe that guy actually literally grinds. 24-7. Deloading, yeah. It's, it's good to deload, man. It's good to decompress. Because I honestly, this is what I've been learning. Um, I, I, I was working like a bunch, like, I was working Free way jobs, too much. Dude. I was working way too much, but I recently, yeah, I recently realized, like, that actually isn't smart. Because I could work harder or I could work smarter. And, like, working smarter means, like, taking care of my health and my, literally, my, my well-being. Like, mentally, I, it was, like, not good. Well, that's the thing. Man. Because, like, what's the point in working all the time? Like, there's actually, like, what, what is the point of working all the time? Like, that, yeah. there's, like, I guess there's some meaning in it, but... I mean, well, in 5 a.m. club, he says there's, like, four kind of... Yeah. ...things that, that humans really should work on to live their best life. And that's, like, heart set, um, mindset, health set, and soul set. Mm -hmm. Which is basically, you know, your mind your body, um, your heart, like your emotion, and your spirituality, mm. right? I mean, going back to what you were saying, like, you know, you're working that hard, you're giving up a lot in, in your mental. Yeah, and, and you're maybe... Up, you're, you're, you're giving up your soul set, for sure. And maybe it was just the wrong work, too. Like, that's, I think work is something that you can have a lot of fun in if it's the right work. 
right? Mm -hmm. So when I'm working on, for example, zenfulness.com, I'm genuinely, like, even though it, it is work, but it, I'm having fun. Like, I'm just slowly having fun with it, and it doesn't stress me out that much. But there's other types of work that does that do stress me, and you got to realize, like, maybe that's not realistic. Maybe at the end of the day, you have to, like, clean the toilets, you know, scrub, like, the walls, like, clean the bathroom, like, that. you have to do that stuff. Everyone has to do that stuff, right? But I don't even know where I'm going with this. <laughs> you? Um, what, what's the point? What's the point? If it's a good one. Okay, so we, so far we talked about what did we talk about so far? Self identity. Self identity. Um, Five AM club. Five AM club. Um, a little bit of I just I know we talked about Warcraft for a bit. <laughs> Stop. Yeah. Like um. It. Influences. You know where you're getting information. A little bit of. Neuroscience. I'm not. I'm not the most well versed. I always forget a lot of it, but I'm getting better, and that's something I want to learn a lot about is the science behind the brain. Okay. Okay. I guess. I guess we will wrap it. But I'm going <laughs> to ask Keith um, one more question. Sure. And if you could go back, let's say three years, because you're what are you twenty? You're twenty four right now, 24. right? If you could go back to when you were twenty one years old. Freshly 21, you're legal in the United States. <laughs> what would you tell that kid? What advice would you give him? Uh, I would tell younger me. Uh, I would tell myself how important. Mm, rituals are and habits and um, not just about instilling good ones but you know removing bad ones and and with that in order to do that just like a high level of awareness and um, and just be a a savant like just be a, a chaser of knowledge that's what I would tell yeah, That's definitely sweet. Mm -hmm. I just want to touch on that last habit thing. Um, I noticed this, especially for me, is it's not that I didn't have good habits. It's just I had too many bad habits. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't necessarily trying to get these good habits. It was just getting rid of those bad habits. Mm -hmm. And then naturally, the good habits just fall into place. There's only room for so much, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I want to ask you one question. What is your definition of greatness? Oh, are you pulling a Lewis house on me? I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm doing it. Okay. Um, I'll answer that one. Yeah, dude. I think, okay. <laughs> you knew that, eh? Yeah, I listen to that podcast at work, actually. I listen to them all so, the time, dude. Yeah, I like Robin Sharma, dude. The Robin Sharma one? I, I listened to that one. It was so good. Yeah, he's sweet. Robin Sharma's a sweet dude. But, um, okay, definition of greatness. <laughs> I feel like I'm on Hello Mr. Rosales I feel like I'm on, on this podcast right now I can pull some more dude. There's a couple more questions he asks That are really good Okay um, Definitely what I think comes down to Is overcoming um, Challenge Right I think The best definition of greatness, of greatness That I have is You know You're someone who Pulls yourself up And you know Works hard And overcomes the barriers That you had And that I think That gap is greatness it's not necessarily being handed like 
it's not necessarily being handed everything. It's, you know, overcoming all the fears and insecurities and deficiencies that you have and then becoming great. Mm. That was brilliant. And yeah, we'll leave it at that, guys. You're a beast, man. First of all, I just, uh, wanna, I just <laughs> want to acknowledge you, Jeremy. Oh, uh, you're pulling a Lewis Howes, exactly. <laughs> Actually, like, let's, let's wrap it like Lewis Howes. Let's do it. Okay. I just want to acknowledge I wanna you. I want to acknowledge you, Keith, for coming <laughs> on the podcast. Um, yeah, I, I you're doing great things, no, you know? You're doing great things for the community. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I acknowledge you. <laughs> I like Lewis Howes, man. <laughs> I can't do anything other than that. If, <laughs> that was good. if you stumble upon this podcast, go check out Lewis Howes podcast the school of greatness school of greatness and uh make sure to subscribe to that you know email notifications and if you does. haven't already <laughs> subscribe to the zenfulness podcast this is the motherfucking ceo <laughs> right here and if you haven't check out the mf ceo project oh yeah and then we should wrap with uh, andy frizzle uh m the motherfucking ceo <laughs> all right i'll see you guys later